0: what's that uh taxi driver ah yeah cool and uh shower head big knife is that psycho okay dancing lady Are, are those wolves dances with wolves they kind of look more like foxes or a hedgehog Okay, what's this? Uh, a radio Another wolf slash fox And lots of people Radio fox group Radio wolf bunch Radio Wolfgang, Radio Wolfgang emoji title I love it Smiley love heart eyes Winky kiss Hello, this is Here with... yeah, We're back on air
1: but we don't care, we're mole
2: now, we're everywhere. Yeah, radio. We can that on Right, come on then, factory tour. Hey, this is a forging. So we buy this in, and that's where we start. So I know it's.
3: When I tell people that I make scissors, scissor bl- some. Just assume I'm pressing buttons on machines. Some ask me about it, but when I tell them it is all handmade, they get excited and they want to know prices, they look at websites, it's good. It's, it's doing something different to everyone else. Growing up, I never thought, I'll make scissors when I'm older. I mean, it is, it's a Sheffield tradition, Sheffield's in my heart anyway. I've been an apprentice at Ernest Wright & Son for four years. Another year, and then I'll be Master Scissors putter Togetherer. <laughs> That's the official title. I don't even think they're real words. Sometimes when you go round to people's houses and they've got absolutely rubbish, scissors, what they're using, you just
1: don't. Just put them down. My name is Philip Ernest Wright, after my father and after my grandfather. My grandfather started the business in just a one-man band. It was like that until my father then joined him.
2: Thank you for calling, Ernest Wright and Son. So come on, then. upstairs. The big staircase. My name's Nick Wright, uh, and I am managing director of Ernest Wright and Son Limited, scissor makers to the trade. <laughs>
1: I'm
2: not uh, a cup of tea. Need... Do you want a cup of tea, coffee? Make... Pam is uh, our office lady. She looks after the office. Her son Dan is one of the apprentices downstairs. So again, we're back to the family business. Yeah, bless. She's my second mum.
1: We've just got a really special friendship i think you know it's like it's like our third son you know i know he's there if i need him
2: come
0: on breeze block
4: let's have you on here glasses on son
0: my name's cliff
4: do you want me second name yes clifford denton sure about that dead horse donkey buyer rogue thief and a bloody big liar <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well i put what do you call a scissor putter together
4: eric stones i do everything love when he's on holiday, I do his job. When Nicky's on holiday, I do Nicky's job.
0: What I don't
4: Nick it. do Nicky do? Nothing. Very little. General Dog's body. Is. We see him down again. We both used to
3: work for Nicky's grandad,
4: Ernest Wright, yeah.
3: When we say it's like 1902 that company started and we're doing it all the same way, I think we need to keep it that way.
4: Sheffield, capital of steel, heart of a great industry... Here, hidden from view by a smoke umbrella, live and work the men whose craftsmanship is supreme. Weekly, they set new records for steel production. Mm.
1: Mm. It wasn't a question of looking and going out and getting business. It came to you quite readily. You know, people were anxious to get hold of scissors. It was a lovely fight. Essentially, it Some about £50,000 at the time. It was spotless. It was
4: ever so clean. you got canteen and everything. It was brilliant.
1: In those days, there was no plastic handles whatsoever. Kitchen scissors, household scissors, nail scissors, embroidery scissors, dressmaking scissors, hairdressing scissors.
0: We even sold scissors to Japan. And they always ordered the same thing, 100 pair.
1: And then we were into the post office. Like
0: mailbag scissors. We made them by a 1,000.
1: The Navy, the Air Force and the Army.
0: Yeah, we made scissors for Falkland. Uh, for Falklands, I made
1: up bandage For uniforms. Virtually all the carpet industry. Thousands at a time, as fast as I could make them. Scissors that the general public would never see.
4: Whatever the future of the industry, the men of Sheffield will have a big hand in Britain's economic revival. It's all gone now, it's down to, they might do a hundred
1: pair now. Nick was born on May the 13th in 1969. I wanted to call him Ernest, and my, my wife put a firm foot down on that. She said, we're not calling him Ernest, and I wanted to, to keep on the, the family name. Our children, uh, when they started going into the factory, would probably only be about 10 or 11, something like that. But I think they quite enjoyed it.
2: The one thing I remember was walking into the factory and thinking how big it was. The doorstep was huge. I remember, you know, jumping onto this thing. The grinding shop floor was thick and black and dirty. You'd got maybe a dozen blokes in there sat on the big grinding wheel covered in grease from head to foot. Just things and stuff and sparks and smoke and hammers going left, right and centre. The air was blue in more ways than one. The smell of oil will never leave me. It was one of the things that I loved. I remember just always being excited coming in as a kid. There was a romance to the place. There was just something beautiful about it in that really gritty you know, Sheffield where. I knew that that was my family's company and it had got our name on it. And so there was an immense pride factor to it, which I never lost, not ever. When he about 16
0: or 17, he started going out factory when I was there. And he says, oh, I'm going to work here. What are you going to be? He
2: says, I'm going to sell stuff. Parents wanted me to get a decent education to go off and do something, but something different, not cutlery. A, a very good friend of mine, Rowett, his dad was a doctor, and Rowett didn't want to become a doctor, but his dad expected him to. And I was exactly the other way round. I kind of thought that I was going to go into the family business and my parents really did not want me to. But none of that really mattered because the same time that I got my a level results, the factory went bust in the same year. There was a lady from the car dealers which were just across the road from us on Shalesmoor. And I walked in the office and the conversation turned to my dad saying, oh, we don't know what to do with Nick and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And this lady turned around and said, well, I can always have a word across in the garage if you want. And that was that. And then I was in the motor trade for seven years. (laughs) That's true. 24, 25, I took myself back to university, did a degree in business and finance. Left the motor trade to do that. Then um, a random career in telecoms and and software design. So I talked to my dad about it uh, before 2008. And I said I would be really interested in coming back in.
1: We thought he'd made it. Because he'd worked for British Telecom, earning three times more money than I'd ever earned, until he was made redundant. I didn't uh, mind him coming into the family business because it was um, a a nice thought that the business was going to continue. He'd wandered in. He'd never spent any time at the company at all. I never thought that he would ever want to come into the business. Um, because, I mean, he was was getting on uh, so many years in his life.
2: And I remember the first day... I walked into the factory, I believe he was losing ten grand a year. That's when alarm bells started going from my head. And he said, right, he says, "Okay, welcome your first day, follow me downstairs and I'll show you what we do. Okay." and we got downstairs and we got to the packing bench. And he said, right, what we do is we take these scissors and we put them on this brown paper and we cut the brown paper this way and then we fold the brown paper over the scissors to form a little pack of half a dozen. And I said, dad, I'm not being funny, but I haven't come into this business to learn how to wrap scissors. I've come to try and work out how we market the thing, how we get it out of loss making, how we effectively turn the business round and I'm not going to learn that by wrapping and packing scissors. And I think we pretty much fell out from that
4: moment. Well, I, I suppose Nick really saw that there were a the future there.
0: But he wanted to run it completely different, and that's completely where the argument different
4: from his father.
0: Banging of doors, slamming of windows and God knows what. And this did go off. I mean, he ain't going to cover it. But I've got to admit what Nicky was saying were true. He yeah, have got to move with times.
4: And you his father wouldn't. His father wouldn't. And back. his grandfather wouldn't.
0: And his grandfather, would his grandfather he? wouldn't either. He would say him, because they were old fashioned. He was hoping that this customer'd come back, his old customers. But at the top and bottom, a lot of his old customers it were dying. Gone. They gone to died, you see. And when they died, whoever took over bought stuff from somewhere
1: else. Whereas Nicky, whiz kid, wanted to right, we're on internet we'll sell more. Nick could just see that I, I was running the business entirely the wrong way. But I was only running the business how I'd been brought up to, to run it. Whilst Nick was generating the newer type of business, I was, you know, having to work, trying to do everything, having to handle the, the ordinary, normal, everyday business, which we'd done for donkey's years. And on top of that, trying to handle the, and keep up with the internet business, you know, there was only me to do that. There was nobody else readily able to, to do that other than Nick, but he was busy creating the orders, not not keeping up with that aspect of it.
2: In uh, the meantime, um, I, uh, I stopped getting wages, and uh, so uh, I came in and called my dad and said well, what's going on I haven't got any wages and he said oh yeah there's a there's a letter in your drawer uh when I went and looked in my desk drawer it wasn't a letter it was just the P45 and he'd served me that in December and I didn't even know <laughs> and he'd sacked me <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, and I thought oh right well what on earth do I do now and I thought well I'm I'm gonna fight this then uh so I told him I was staying yeah, and uh, and we carried on like that for a long time. And uh, by then, I'd actually worked for the company for three years. I was taking director's decisions, I was publicising us, I got a website started, I'd moved the factory. You know, uh, as far as I was concerned, I'd done a hell of a lot of work. And, um, and then when I took him up on the issue again and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling here, really, really struggling money-wise, really struggling...
1: The relationship between uh, Nick and myself and Pauline his mum, uh, has become acrimonious. There was uh, an incident that went along the lines of,
2: oh, when is Nick going to pack this in, um, you know, harassing us? He needs to go off and get a proper job and stop bothering us. We've all got real lives to lead. You will not believe how upset that makes me feel about not what I'm trying to do, but what we are trying to do here. This is a made-in-Sheffield business. This is a family business that's been in existence for over 100 years. This is a company that used to export to the whole world, a trade that is revered around the world. And I think saving this business, representing Sheffield and trying to put us back on the map is fundamental to me. I just think it's, it's you know, incredibly important. He, he he
0: wanted to take the factory one step and his dad wanted to stay in this same grain. He wants to go that way and I want to go this way.
2: I thought I'm going downstairs. That's all right. <laughs> I'm off. <laughs> I ended up taking him to court. Um, I took him to a tribunal. Um, the argument was that, you know, he'd he, Serving me my P-45, he'd, he'd finish me. But I then carried on. So I can see the business going down at a massive rate of knots. Uh, Mum and Dad not a clue what to do. I'm tribunaling them, but of course court takes forever. My dad had just basically then got into racking up debt, um, awful but true. Uh, the landlord in particular I mean, just was not getting paid and the, the bill was just huge. So I was looking at even if I, I'm going to try and carry this company on, it's now £30,000, £40,000 in debt. They came to a solution and uh, then I did get invited to a meeting and walked into a meeting and it was straightforward. Ernest Wright and Sun Limited is going to be picked up by Nick the next morning. That's what happened and that's how I ended up running the business from uh, 1st of April 2012. I do remember that, that week thinking a lot of my problems are over now, uh, that this is going to be easy. Uh, not, no, 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 this is going to be easier than it was. I did still want my dad around, but I was very wary of how capable he
1: was of just sort of charging off and doing his own thing. Officially, it it wasn't my business any longer. It was his business. I was just working there, keeping it going. And I got a little job I wanted to do for our photographic society, and I wanted a long arm stapler, so I'd just take that home.
2: And then I walked in the office, and uh, we had this huge stapler, this this big stapler, which can effectively staple, um, like, newspapers. And that had gone and been replaced by this little old stapler. And there was one or two other bits that had been moved and, and sort of disappeared. And, and I got a bit cross and, and I just, um, I, um, I think I texted my mum and all I got back was like, oh yeah, that is a lot more useful at home because we do quite a lot of something or other. And I just went mad and said, I'm sorry, no. It was a principle, it was, it was me having to sort of state my authority and saying, right,
1: you have to check things by me before just charging off and doing something. And it just fell out big time over the telephone. You'll bring the stapler, I don't want you in this factory anymore. You've had the business and you've lost it. You'll bring it back, put your keys through the letterbox and that's it. And that night I did it. I went down at midnight, took the stapler back, put the keys through the letterbox. That was really dreadful, dreadful. And he phoned me up next day crying. Ooh.
2: I really did not like myself for that mean, spiteful, all sorts of things.
1: And from that day to this, we have really not spoken. Um, He didn't want me in any longer. It really upset me because it was my life, of course, you know, A long time 52 years in uh, in one business you know really upset me because I I felt that I would still got experiences that I needed to pass on to Nick he'd never done sort of the basic work which I was doing every day and I think fairly quickly he found out and realized what I had been doing which he'd then got to continue doing I'll say one thing, uh, for all my pomp and circumstance when I was screaming
2: at my parents, uh, I do admit I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. I Even, you know, the, the number of times i walked in here, rocked into the factory, and I said, right, if anyone's even thinking of ever starting their own business, don't. <laughs> um, so then I had to find people for the office, I had to um, start looking at apprentices, and that was the the first task, really.
4: Come on, son. Hold your mouth straight, Watch your thumb. I'm all right. I'll Big, strong lad, not If they don't grasp it, it will fold. If they
3: don't grasp it and carry on, because
4: we're ready for snuffing
3: it, we've about done it. It's, I mean, as long as they're here, they're here. That's the way it is. I mean, eventually one day they will leave. I can imagine it will be hard and especially to skilled craftsmen who've been doing it for so long, all their work passed on to two younger generation. It's it's going to be hard for both sides, I can see it. I, I can't see them staying away completely. It's going to be a, a long slug to get these young lads to where they ought to be. I says to
0: them, you know, when you're making a pair of scissors, you've got to live it, you've got to feel it, you want to do it. You're like a doctor to a pair of scissors. When you open and shut it, you know what it's saying to you. No, that's, it's not
4: quite perfect, but it's nearly there.
0: And when you shut it, it tells a story. It edges down, kink no in it, king, king, whatever, whatever. Well, just to me, because I've learnt it, and this is what I'm trying to learn them.
2: First year, year and a half, two years, really struggling um, um, money-wise. So I was charging around these uh, events and trying to find a, you know, I say foothold, leeway, anything that would give us. You know, a, a bit of leverage onto a, a market, a way of selling. I did the cookery fair, and I remember standing there and I'm selling these kitchen scissors, these things that I've grown up with, and I'm selling them to Americans, rich Americans who come to this cookery fair and they're loving them. But I've got like 10 of them, and then, you know, when that's gone, that's gone, and thinking, how long? How was it, just how long? And I coloured everyone together. Got oh, Cliff and Eric, uh, Jamie, everybody, Pam, everybody, and they got us all in the uh, the shop downstairs. As right now, I've got to have a real serious conversation. Took Pam upstairs. Had to make Pam redundant. Um, lads, two day week. I says, and if you even turn up at work, I can't promise you from now on you're going to get paid for it. So I'm sorry, but we go in. Nothing Nothing I can do. Tried. And then something unbelievable happened. Um, a, a short film about Cliff making a pair of scissors went viral all, all over the internet. It changed everything here. Uh, in, in fact, well, I'd, I'd say it saved the company.
1: Oh, August. It was the 1st of August when the, uh, when the internet
2: took off. Um, it was great. The hits were just, just coming. And I couldn't refresh the screen fast enough. People just, you know, go mad. There was already, I think it was £6,000 worth of orders, uh, and that's at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, the, the, the maddest thing that, that's certainly ever happened here. Of course, Pam was back. The lads working their socks off downstairs, trying to knock these things out as fast as they could. The factory was singing.
0: It
1: was so busy, but obviously it was taking... Uh... It was taking a long time as well to process everything but the majority of people were really patient and understood but uh, it was just great to, for all of, all of us to be back again and we're still here.
2: And then ever since we've been ticking over quite reasonably. It goes on you know it, it's not over yet.
0: Last year we've got that much work did not we? There's, I mean, it's only a small crew here, and we turned 270,000. Well, there's 200, only us that's 270,000. Really, apprentices'
3: here. Lives. If we can keep it going as it is now and stay steady, then I can see it lasting quite a while. So hopefully, we will be able to bring more people on and maybe even get it bigger than it is again, get three or four more people in and slowly build up. As long as it's open, I'll stay here. Or as long as they want me here, anyway. Anything I can do to keep it going, then I'll be there, I'll try it.
1: He may not know, but I have a file at home which is so thick, uh, and everything that the company's done, everything that I've found in anything to do with packaging, letterheads, right back to the very early days, I've got copies of. And I'd love him to have it. I have a fear that, you know, when we pass on, somebody will just come in the house and everything will go in the skip and that will be it. I often think, you know, should I parcel it up to send it to him, whether to make a point of going down and giving it to him and, it, you know, he might not appreciate it. But underneath, I think he would appreciate the history. That's
2: one of the big things I've thought is a terrible shame when we're not speaking, that we can't get together and pull that resource, because, you know, it's history. It's uh, it's Sheffield history. I've thought it a lot over these last couple of years. Yeah, I miss my dad. I do. I love him. My dad's not been in the workshop since um, I'd say April or May 2014. I, I, I just picture it. I can just picture it. It'd be Eric and Cliff going, "Oh, I wish you'd come back." He's bloody useless this one. And we'll have a laugh about that. And then he'd be he'd be testing Jamie and Dan and showing them as well. He would, I know. He'd um, he'd, he'd grab a pair of scissors and say, you want to do it like this or like that. So he can perhaps carry on teaching me, perhaps be his apprentice on on that a little bit. And, uh, yeah, no, it would be good. It would be good. I wish I could talk to my grandad about this. I really do.
1: Uh, I I, I miss Nick a lot. Uh, Oh, I've gone over it and over it and over it in my mind. As a parent, how can we get the whole family together again? I would just love to, really, to get together. I've thought so many times, how can I do it, you know, successfully? Should I write to him? Should I telephone him? Should I just appear?
4: Dear Dad. I
1: would like
2: to invite you to pop in the factory and see us at your leisure for a chat and a cup of tea. Yeah, I think that's it. Dear Dad, I would like to invite you into the factory to see us at your leisure, hopefully next Tuesday, for a chat and a cup of tea. Nick. I'm going to send that. It would be nice to see you. There. Sent.
0: This episode of Fathers and Sons was brought to you by Mr. Porter and Radio Wolfgang. It was produced by Lena Prestwood and executive produced by Ellie DiMartino and Harry Watson. Research was undertaken by Jessica Dickens, editing by Natalia Rodriguez and sound design by Ivor Manley. The team would like to thank the Wright family and all the staff at Ernest Wright & Son.